Welcome back to Big Content, first episode of the new year, 2024, and we're here to disappoint you. I am Nick Ercolano, and I run BDGE. That's Jack Settleman, and he runs Snapback Sports. Big investment, investor meeting, talking point today in the episode. Didn't even know you had investors. Apparently, we talked to Casey. You don't actually have investors, so I don't know why you keep talking about having investors. Big 2024, a lot of horny energy in the office. We're going to be in the new office in about a week, a week and a half, two weeks. Is that real? Is it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maggie will be in our this office tomorrow helping Maggie's packing tips. Maggie's the set designer, office designer. Next week is the moving date. We'll, we'll have people coming in here to pack What's our I think the 12th. Which is you the know, I have day. a few things I'm bringing. About, it's about time you fucking... Uh, <laughs> It's about time you got into the process. So I'm in the process, but I've noticed that the process doesn't really need me a ton. Is that fair? Like I'm, I'm paying attention, but what do you think we need? Okay. Let's say we move all our stuff into the new office. What do we need in the new office? Have we, we've ordered everything. Yeah. Not equipped, not like furniture. We haven't. Don't worry. Daddy already paid. Yeah. yeah. Daddy already paid all the bills. (laughs) Well, that's the one part where I'm definitely have not been involved on. That I'm excited to get even on. You're like, <laughs> just running up this bill, and I'm like, I wonder at what point. Bill's gonna, paid for. We're going to have that Wi-Fi's already scheduled yeah. to come in. No, I saw the list. I, I, I'm in it. That's what I'm saying. You know, it, we don't have Verizon Files. We have something called Pilot Fiber. Yeah, which is Google at, or no? That's not Google? I don't think it's Google, but it's pretty lit. Okay. It's like only for businesses. They okay. don't do like residential shit. So I talked to them on the phone. Reset. Okay. Water switched over to the saw new place. That. Garbage. Here we go. Saw Have that. a day. I'm all over this. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm watching you be all soon. Over. I'm going to be making videos for Snapback Sports. <laughs> love it. <laughs> need it. Love it. Um, I'm excited. Do we, what do we need in the new office? Not furniture wise. I think we're good. I, I think we're genuine, genuinely good to go. Yeah. So my my I don't want to say concern, but the things that I'm most hyper focused on are the sets, and yeah. I just want to make sure not only that they look good, but I want that the ease of set. So, like, I can just come in, sit down, bang something out. I think we're good to go on that. Okay. I was in there. I was going to send you guys some pics while I was working there because I went to – I got the keys Yeah. to the place, and I was sitting at that one black long table in the back right all mm. the way, you know, whatever. There was nothing in the office. I was just sitting there <laughs> working from it. I was looking, and I was like, man, this set's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I, I could see it, and I think the best way to organize it would be to have the cameras coming out of the tripods from the wall, yeah. each camera – is labeled each sd card is labeled camera yeah. one has sd card one etc cetera, etc cetera, down the list so it never gets mix and match you know whatever every time you use it put it right back in all that kind of good stuff where'd we land on the main set in the interchangeable background we're going singular uh to be honest i'm not actually sure how it's going to turn out i'm not worried about it though <laughs> me I'm neither not, I'm, I'm just trying to visualize like what that process is going to look like because i'm i'm thinking about doing some more solo content this year me too like you have in your solo setup and i'm wondering do i want the same exact backdrop do i want my own is it a different angle so i just I think wanna, you're going to want to do the solo content in our our office our solo room that's what i mean 
Yeah. And I'm saying, do I want that same background as you? Do mm-hmm. I want a different look? Do I want whatever? So that's, like I said, it's not a concern. You, that's could, just, go, you could go the Casey route where, like, you get into uh, yeah, my you set and you immediately the, put the, all the BDGs. <laughs> Keep stuff, the set you know? identical, just no VDG. Yeah. yeah. So that. we'll see. But I'm excited for it. I am, God forbid I took your hats off the wall before I started they're, filming. They're the beta hats, yeah. too. <laughs> I've been setting goals for 2024, and one of those goals was – in relation to the office, but I didn't really have huge office goals. Like, I think honestly a goal of mine probably would have been get an office. And what I, my goal around the office was more so like, what do I want the vibe of the office to be? And one of the goals was just like, I want to get to the office by 1030 every day. Um, so I'm going to have a morning routine and then I want to be in the office by that time. So that's a, that's a good time. I think usually the way I do it here, I'm usually in by like 10, I'll, I'll get up, Around like six six thirty, and I'll usually work from home from like seven to nine thirty, and then come in here. Sleep just not a thing for you. I go to bed early. Yeah, I go to bed like very early, so yeah. I wake up relatively early. One thing I think would be great, and I'm going to implement with my guys. But you guys are obviously more than welcome to like, you know, be part of it. We're going to have a time block every probably Monday. I want to say from maybe eleven to two. It's a three hour time block where everybody has one high level specific goal that they are working on for that three hour time block. It's like only deep work. We're all going to get around the same exact table and we're all going to get into like really, really deep work where it's like super minimal conversation or communication, but everyone has one central goal. Not like, oh, this is a piece of content I'm working on or like this is an edit I'm working on. It's like something very high level where it's like you stack up eight weeks of three hour deep work once a week on it and you'll be able to accomplish pretty much anything, I think. Like for me, I'm thinking about the live trivia event that we want to set, right? And we want to do that in the summer. That's overwhelming to me thinking about it now, you know, getting 200 people to an event and having like eight teams or whatever. But if I sat down and did like three hours of work, the first three hour piece of work might be literally just researching Venue. venues, yeah. right? I researching knew venues, that was going to be Yeah, fun. reaching out to venues, understanding like what's reasonable, what the price range are, right? Three hours. Yeah. By the end of that, my anxiety level will go down tremendously. I think the best way to build chemistry, the best way to like really define something is when everybody's working on something together and you feel it together. And this, I think, doesn't necessarily have us all working on the same thing together, but it has us all working together. We're all in the same kind of like speed. You know what I mean? And I think it'll be a really, really good exercise for everybody in the office to really put their head down and get into deep work on something that's like really important to them. Yeah, I'll admit the difficulty of our company is kind of, how flexible everyone has to be and how much stuff moves. Like you guys are super process oriented and each week seems to be obviously different seasons. It changes up. And so I respect Casey for being able, even though I don't know if that's his personality because what I've been I know his personality is just horny. It is. That's what I found out. Um, But what we've been trying to do, what I've been trying to do is set goals for this year. And what I found is it's tough to find those three hour blocks. So even for you to set your employees up for success and yourself it's important and i would love to participate in those as often as we can there's like a number here somewhere where like for me six hours of deep work might be equivalent to like a fucking 30 hour work week of non-deep work and i think but you also you have to do the non-deep work stuff too sure but i'm saying you need to prioritize the deep work at least like once a week that i think really pushes everybody forward towards like a larger larger goal or a large project Right, I think for you guys right right now, it feels like it's, or for you, the way that you just explained it makes it feel like it's a little bit secondary, but I think it's like you need to maybe set shit up where that is 
priority number one and everything around is not like, oh, if we have the time or if we're right, there, right. do it. I think it should be the flip. Just food for thought before yeah. we get in there because I'm, I'm going to have my guys like zoning in there. Yeah. The main topic for this episode was goal setting. Obviously, 2024, everyone's got their New Year's resolution. Do you have a New Year's resolution? No. The reason I wanted to talk goals is because I kind of think that resolutions are kind of silly. Not hating on people who do them, but I think saying that you're going to do something in 2024, you should really be setting a goal. You shouldn't just say, I want to eat healthier. You should set a goal. And so I wanted to talk about the actual process of goal setting, which I think is hyper important for every single creator, how to actually set those goals. And then maybe we'll share, you know, some of our goals as well. We had a meeting internally last week where we all sat down and we all came with goals for 2024. And I, I agree with you to a point like having a goal starting on New Year's is stupid. It worked for us because we are undergoing multiple changes that like do hit a reset for us. Yeah. For instance, we're going to the new office, which I think allows us more resources and allows us a changing mentality of like, okay, my goal for 2024 is to up upgrade like the production on these pieces of content we're having a new set. So it's like there, there is newness to it that I think actually makes sense as well as going into the off season. So now we have more time and flexibility to actually focus on these goals. Mm -hmm. So for us, it makes sense to have those conversations. And the one thing that I said to them before, I was like, before we have the meeting, like we're having the meeting tomorrow. When you come to the goal meeting, I don't want shallow metric driven goals. I want goals that you are the one that controls whether or not it happens, right? It's e it'd be easy for us to sit here and be like, let's hit a million followers on TikTok yeah. in 2024. It's like, cool. Realistically, you don't have control over that. Yeah. Sure. You can like up the content. Sure. You could up have more volume in it or whatever. What happens if you get to like November and you guys are at 780,000? What does that mean? You're going to now put out 15 TikToks a day to get to a million? Like, no, yeah. like you don't yeah, really yeah, have control yeah. over that. The algorithm does for me, like the live event, I control every part of that. Like I'm going to make that happen or I'm not going to make it happen. It just takes a lot. It just well, takes I think, more work. I think with the metric based goals, some are good. Like we're, we have revenue goals and we, we still do have follower goals, but the real intention is like the intention needs to be there. Yeah. What not, I want to get to a million followers. I want to create three new formats yes. for TikTok that are really interesting that I know will bring in new, new followers. Getting to the, to the point of like, why are you setting this goal was more important for me than actually, you know, defining what the actual goal was. Like you need to know what you're striving for. Yeah. With goal setting, it's really, really good to set them high so that you can learn. The one, you're going to fail pretty much most of the goals that you set, I think. If you're setting them correctly, I think you're going to fail most of the time. But you could set yourself up to a point where you're landing at a place that you could still be proud of, right? And you could still build off of. And when I think, I'll keep going back to this because this, again, one of my goals is like the live trivia event. In my mind, the way I see it playing out is like, it's, it's crazy, right? And I'm, I'm fully aware that it might not get to there. In a realistic sense, it might just be like, okay, we're going to rent out a bar where 50 people can come in. We'll have three teams. Yeah. And I understand that that could happen. And I would probably be a little bit disappointed, but okay with it and still be proud that we pulled it off. But I'm not planning as if that's what's going to happen. I'm planning as if like the ultimate goal that mm -hmm. I have is the thing that's going to push through and be like the thing that happens there. And that's what I think most people should strive for. Because if you fall short, like you're still learning on the process and still landing relatively in a good spot, I think. Yeah. That's, so, that's kind of how I look at goals. So to be clear, I don't think setting year-long goals is bad. I was saying resolutions, I think, can be silly if you're just like, I want to go to the gym more. Mm -hmm. Set a goal. 
I want to go to the gym every other day in 2024. And so I'll give you my goal setting plan, how I go about it, because I think it can be helpful. And then you can share, you know, where you think Mm -hmm. other ideas. And what you just referenced is something that I learned. I took a Nike class and I've shared this before, but for those who haven't heard this episode, I was in a Nike class in at, at UT. So it was like 20 people in the class. There was an employee from Nike who came in and taught the class. And one day they taught us how goal setting and brainstorming works at Nike. And so essentially they sit around in a room and they're planning an event, right? Like trivia. So we'll use the live trivia. It would be like you say, all right, let's get 50 people at a bar. Here's how I like it, right? Then I'm like, let's get... 100 people at a nightclub and let's get, you know, Jalen Wilson, one of the past guesses, uh, past guests of trivia. Then you're like, no, let's rent out a whole theater and get 250 people and the production is going to be this level and let's bring in a new contestant, right? And get, and then I'm like, let's get this sponsor to a point where it's literally not possible. The example they used was they were releasing a new cleat and it started with, oh, let's make them gold. And then it ended with like, let's ship them up to space, have them parachute out of a spaceship and drop down onto the field. And so the point is, when you go all the way up, like you said, you end up landing in the middle. But until you create that ceiling, like if your ceiling was a realistic goal and you land in the middle, then you end up at the bar. And so they ended up with like, it wasn't Cam Newton, but it was some high level Nike athlete. Let's just call it, I don't know, Barry Sanders helicoptering in landing on the high school football field and hand delivering a hundred pairs of cleats to the team. So that's like how they set mm-hmm. those goals. And I think that's, that's really good. If you're doing kind of like a brainstorming thing, you don't necessarily want to do that for every single goal. So the three step plan that I use is I set my goals. So you're going to set goals and then stretch goals. So let's say for simple math, if our revenue goal for this year is a hundred bucks, that's like a realistic goal based on our projection then we'll also set a stretch goal of like 150, right? With the hope that we actually land like 125 or 150. So set your goals. The second thing, I made kind of like a parallel document. So I went through all my goals and then I did action items. So if the goal was 100,000 subscribers on Snap Exports YouTube, then I have five action items for actually what I want to, how I'm actually going to do it. Because if I say I want to go to the gym every other day, That is a great goal. Now you've set a goal, not a resolution, but then you need action items. I'm going to wake up at 8 a.m. This is my morning routine, and this is how I can actually achieve this every other day. And then the last part is just the tracking of it, tracking the progress, which is why I think actually quantifying stuff in 2024 is not bad. That's a very nice, it gives you a long enough period of time for most of the goals you're going to set. And every quarter, you should be checking in with those goals and seeing how the progress goes. So that's kind of like how my goal setting stuff goes. Do you do anything similar, different? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think the goals in particular really just flow through like where I am at at that particular point. Like right now, my goals are obviously, you know, the live trivia event. We're launching a uh, dynasty fantasy football only channel. Mm -hmm. And then with that, like, it's very easy to say, you know, I want to do this, but then not breaking it down leaves you with so much uncertainty. So like when I think about the live trivia event, it's like, let's say I have this event I want to put on. I'm thinking between now and then I might have like 18 sessions of, of deep work. And then that's when I would start to list the action items. Yeah. So it's like, find the venue, break down the possible teams that we can invite, writing up 
personalized outbound messages to each one of those teams or team members about why I want them to come to the trivia event, about what's in it for them and what exactly it is. So each of those action items, like you have to think every step of the way, okay, like I just did this. What's the next thing that we're going to run into while we're running this event? It's like, okay, food and catering. Okay. Entertainment. Okay. The marketing for this. Okay. The graphics for this. Okay. You know, like all these things I would break down into action items and I would try to get a deep work session in for each of those. Cause each like deep work session for me consists of like the brainstorming and then the actual doing of the work and then probably kind of flowing into the second deep work session of it or like the next action item on the list. I would go action action item for as, as, as much as you can. Like not everyone, you're not going to know every single step along the way. A lot of things you'll figure out along the way, but action items for me definitely are like the top of it. The reason I suggest going into like a deep work period for each of these things is because a lot of them end up taking longer. Because if you're like, oh, this is like a quick checklist thing that I could do in five minutes. Yeah. A lot of times it's not, it, you know, it takes way longer than that. So it's good to just commit a set period of time or like a set session where you can sit down and only focus on that thing, do it really well, feel good about it, move on to the next thing. Um, I think that's usually what I would do. And then for like the dynasty channel, I'm thinking, okay, we need a schedule. And then how do we fill that schedule? Is it Nick? Is it someone internally? Do we need to find other content creators? If the latter option is the one that I'm choosing, it's a whole nother list. Then it's like, okay, need a, need a three hour session of just watching YouTube, watching TikTok, looking on Twitter of people that I think fit well for this brand, reaching out to them, telling them why I think they'd be good for it, why it works for them, getting on calls with them, getting a schedule that works. Then I need to think about thumbnail logistics, distribution, like quality, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's breaking down and it's really overwhelming at first, but I'm telling you, if you put a few deep work sessions into place to think about these things by the end of the third or fourth one, you're going to feel so much better about it. Cause I think a lot of the like internal mental uncertainty ends up getting washed away when you put execution and you put like action behind any outward action usually negates like internal uncertainty. Yeah. Casey referenced that as he was planning my bachelor party, he was like, I was so overwhelmed. And then I was like, well, if I just get started and I plan the first dinner, yes, that's done. Then the next one, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, it's we done. just need to get a dinner. When yeah. you start looking at dinner, you yeah. know, like, yeah. yeah, that that's how life works. If you've ever planned a bachelor or bachelorette party, that is almost the perfect way of thinking about executing on things. You are forced yeah. to do something, you know, because it's like, you don't want to be the person that doesn't plan your best yeah. friend's fucking bachelor party and you have to make it good. People are relying on you. Think of most of your work projects that same way where you need to bring, break it down into days and think of the tasks as different parts of the day. It's like, where are we going for brunch? Where are we going for lunch? What bars are we going to? You need at least two good events in there. Think about projects at work the same way that you would plan a bachelor bachelor. And I've party. never, I've never planned one, but I've seen Hallie be a big part of planning one. And yeah. I think the best example from that is the checklist stuff that you said that you think is going to take a second is like even the decorations for the bride, yep. like getting those custom printed, finding the site for it. Like it takes a second. Yeah. You don't and just you want, Google you want to go over the top a little bit. It's right. like the restaurants are cool, but then it's like, yeah, for, for my best friend, Steve's bachelor party, I like got these custom t-shirts made right. for us where it was like him and his, him and his uh, wife, they're like blacked out in times square one time. And some random stranger walked up to them and was like, can I take your guys' picture? It was like 3am. They were eating like street meat or whatever. And to this day, it's like my favorite picture in the yeah. world made t-shirts of it, like got it done. Like you want to go above and beyond for that. And that's just, that's the same mindset you should have with anything that you're yeah. trying to accomplish. So that's goal setting. Let us know your goal setting methodologies because it definitely is important. Uh, whether you want to manifest, whether you just want things to track your progress, whether it just motivates you, it's good to have your goals set. I'm excited for this, this conversation because 
I have definitely been in this camp, which is something that you've been pushing a ton lately. Uh, in 2024, you said focus on one and only one top of the funnel organic organic growth platform. So examples, YouTube, Shorts, TikTok, Instagram, Instagram Reels, Reddit, Twitter, LinkedIn, Podcast, Blog, Twitch. I think you said Snapchat in here somewhere. Cut me the limit. Yeah, the off, character yeah. limit cut off. Why don't you elaborate on this? When I tweeted that out, it was for creators more so just starting. That makes sense for people that don't have resources, which is who I'm usually speaking to. Yeah. I don't think I'm speaking to high level creators that are like probably at the level that we are. Focusing on just one and only one until you'll know when you're at that point. Yes. And that doesn't mean you stop focusing on that platform either. You just start to also add in because you've gained those resources. It's really easy to look at all of us and see us all over the different platforms. I don't know if this is true, but I think if you ask, if, if you found any creator that's like made it mm -hmm. or been successful, they did it through one platform yes. and then, it, and then expanded elsewhere. And I think it's so important for younger creators to know that because again, that's so overwhelming to be like, fuck, everyone's telling me I need to be on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Everyone's telling me I need to be on shorts. Like I want to make YouTube videos or I want to write or whatever. That's okay. You just need to find one leverage point yeah. that like supplements the rest of your fucking life. That one spot that you find that ends up being like, the thing for you, whether it's TikTok or shorts or whatever, is going to be the thing that financially allows you to start focusing on other platforms. But doing it before so guarantees that you're going to spread yourself then, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, this is a message that I think I'm going to push really hard going forward for beginner creators. Because right now, I can't imagine starting right now and really being at the beginner level and like not understanding what the fuck I'm supposed to be yeah. doing. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be overwhelmed. I would even double down on your statement and this might sound crazy i wouldn't even think of like shorts reels and tiktok in the same bucket no no, no i don't that's why i listen yeah. to them all different because because when i think of it true embrace of a platform i think of tiktok and its reply feature and its sounds and the the little things within tiktok the search right. like and you're creating that i, I think a perfect example of this is the Super Bowl note that we hide in the stadium. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we post that across all the platforms, but it performs best on TikTok purely because the comments on TikTok are, remind me of this in a year, remind me of this. Mm -hmm. And then you can use that and you just play into that and you can continue to stitch if someone steals the note. You can actually play into that. And it's too hard to do all of that across different platforms. So I, I mean... I'm definitely a walking example of it. We went all in on Snap. We went all in on Snap for way too long. But when I say way too long, like that was the right move. We needed to continue to continue to continue building on Snap. And now we're at a point where we can take resources and go all in on YouTube. And so now we're all in on YouTube. That also doesn't mean we're not all in on Snap. That is still going to be our most powerful platform for a very long time. But like you said, that unlocks the ability to go on other platforms. And I used to be in the camp that was like, all right, why don't you get exposure different places? But just hammer one singular platform. Okay, so if someone came to me tomorrow and said, hey, I want to start making fantasy football content, you're going to tell me the platform to make it on and I'm just going to do nothing but do it on there. I would tell them to make it on TikTok. I think TikTok is still and, and will be for a little while the easiest and best way for organic growth to happen if you're putting all your focus onto it. I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of dudes that are like pushing away on YouTube really, really hard yeah. and don't see the return on investment. And that's not to say you can't. Like there yeah, are yeah, people yeah. growing on YouTube, uh, of course. But if I had to give a younger creator advice about how to build a leverage the quickest right now, 
it would be on TikTok. And people want it to be a specific platform. But like realistically, if you're just in it for the passion of creating, it shouldn't matter what platform you're doing it on. Your message should be the same, right? right? And it's just understanding how to put it out there on different platforms. So it's like, don't get emotional or romantic about, oh, I wanted to do it via YouTube. It's like, what does that actually, it doesn't matter. Well, I think some platforms make more sense, right? If you're doing sports betting, right, then YouTube as traditionally has been tough to crack because yeah. of the lack of evergreen that sports betting is. Fantasy football, you have a little bit longer of a window. But if you want to be in injury news, then Twitter's probably... Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is like, I'm saying focus on one platform, but it doesn't mean whatever one you choose is the right one. Find the right one and then focus on one. I do. I still am more confident each day that YouTube is the is the platform to be on. But what we did was big fish, small pond. And I think that's a little bit of what you're saying, right? Which is like, why not just go build a million followers on TikTok? And then you'll, by doing that, then when you start on YouTube, it won't be easy, but it'll be 10 times easier. 10 times easier. I, I just have a lot of people that are like, oh, I've been doing it on YouTube for a while. And I'm, it's like, What's I know I got to go to- with those people? Is uh, it actually a while? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like a, a enough time that I'm like, okay, you've been like at this for yeah. a while. And it's like, ah, I can't really like figure out how to grow or, and, and I'm like, you should put your energy into TikTok. And they're like, I know I should be doing it more. Mm -hmm. And then they'll do like two or three shorts a week. And I'm like, or two or three TikToks a week. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you're not understanding what I'm saying right yeah. now. It's like the same energy you put into YouTube, move that, yeah. move that over to TikTok. And it's like, the, it, they're attached to the YouTube mm -hmm. part of it. I'm like, it's just not the best place for you to put your your time and investment into it. So find the place that is and then fucking go all in on that one rather than half-assing it on seven different platforms. Yeah. No, this the split platform thing is, is real because, and the biggest takeaway is because you have to post different formats on each platform. So you cannot take one singular piece of content and make it for every platform. You yeah. just can't. It's just not possible. So... Uh, even with punchline, like we'll take the long form, we'll cut it into vertical shorts, which can be posted across, but that's not the format that works on Twitter. Yeah. Like that limits our Twitter growth. If we recut the video so that it's horizontal instead of vertical, we would have even better performance, but that's a whole nother, right? Yep. You spread yourself very thin. So focus on one platform, uh, in 2024, we're going to go a little pop culture here. Jersey Jerry of Barstool did a 24-hour, it became, I think, a 36-hour live stream of him trying to hit a hole-in-one on a golf simulator. He's got a show, Jersey After Dark, for Barstool, where he does these weird challenges. It started with him playing on a golf simulator, trying to hit a hole-in-one, and after hours of not sleeping because he couldn't get it, it kind of became this viral sensation. So it got so crazy that you had Tom Brady, J.J. Watt, you know, a lot of the personalities in sports who interact, the PGA Tour, who interacts with Barstool, interacting with this, almost as if it was a live sporting event. And it was really interesting to see, especially from a creator standpoint. So um, based off what you saw, why don't you share what you kind of take away from this? The question is, what takeaways can be had? I'm not sure where my opinion on, like, Barstool really settles in at, because... I respect Prez and I love Prez and I love like what they've built there at Barcelona. And so I think it'll be one of the foundational pieces of culture for, you know, forever. When we look back on this like era and, mm -hmm. and um, generation or whatever, like that's that that was the media company of this generation. But I also think where it gets a little weird for me as someone who like focuses on the creator world, I think this type of content, it's good, 
but it, in my opinion, promotes the wrong thing mm. in a sense that like a lot of people at Barstool end up becoming like caricature of, of themselves, yeah. right? They become this like persona of themselves. And like now in order to top that, you have to be crazier right. and then crazier and then crazier. And then you become something where it's like, what am I anymore? Yeah. Like, what am I even doing anymore? Do I enjoy what I'm doing anymore? Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's a place for that, obviously on the internet, a yeah. million bajillion people doing it. Me, like that's that would never be a thing for me, I don't think, where it's like you have to put yourself in a position where you're not yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's cool when it's entertaining, not really my cup of tea as it as it relates to like being a creator though. Yeah. What it wouldn't be like like I, I couldn't give advice off of that and be like, do some crazy shit like this. No, that's no, how you go viral. I, I think you your noticed. point is great because if his I've seen some of the other stuff he does on our show and it started with like blind taste testing stuff, then he was blind taste testing taste testing stuff and like they would put a mouse trap and like try and mess with it yeah and then it's now we get desensitized so quickly in this social world that yeah. it's like if you become known for this thing that's like crazy yeah it's like okay now if you take a step back people are like ah what is this i don't really like it anymore yeah. whereas i've always approached content as like a uh, you're teaching or you're 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 letting people into your story or something like that so that doesn't actually matter if it's crazy or less crazy they're just invested in like who you are yeah. and 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 the journey you're on yeah so my, my big takeaway was real benefit of just network effect and collaboration because the network effect of being at a place with resources like Barstool where they even have a golf simulator, they had four camera angles, they had a producer, they have all those things, right? If he was solo in this journey, and then I honestly give a lot of credit to Big Cat being kind of involved in the whole thing and that was effectively a collaboration and it's his audience that's seen it and that shared audience it's what's promoting it so as we move into the office together as we continue to make recommendations don't go on this solo journey as you're creating content that's a really strong takeaway for me another takeaway being they're just really good at content yeah. like whether or not it's your cup of tea they made they there were eighty five thousand people live watching that yeah. More than live golf, like literally more than, uh, uh <laughs> I, I'm just using metrics. I'm just using metrics. It's gotta be two weeks in a row that live golf is getting shirt on this podcast. <laughs> no, but, but Nobody like even talks about live golf except for you. When you think about it, it's like who tune, like they're tuning into this random guy hitting a golf ball against a theoretical course. Facts. Um, it's just, it's just it's impressive. Know, know your place, brother. It's impressive what they've done. No, um, I think I think that's uh, also just going piggybacking off of that. That's going to be a big focus for us in the in the new year and and in the office. I know that like for big content, we're going to start doing guests, yeah, which we need to talk about. And then for trivia, one of our focuses is to bring on a bunch of guests yeah. and you know bring them on to uh, bring them into the office and, and get them more involved yes. to hopefully like cross pollinate everywhere. Hundred uh, percent. What can creators learn about live streaming? Is it useful to do it once as a way to gain followers? If you never plan on doing it again, does it have to become part of your content creation plan? So I think there's a few questions in there. It's kind of, you know, if, if you're never going to live stream again, I wouldn't suggest doing it. The unique part is he gained about 50,000 subscribers yeah. uh, over the last 36 hours. So it's super powerful. Live is what everyone wants. Live is, if you can keep people with you live, that is literally what makes the NFL the NFL, the king of sports, is that people are tuning in live. It is what made Game of Thrones so successful in culture. They, it wasn't live, and it felt like you had to be there live event. It's why Clubhouse had a moment in time, because it felt like if you weren't there, 
then you weren't there. Yeah. Uh, Twitch and YouTube Live and all these things, they're obviously continuing to be super effective platforms. Um, you have to build up that demand. And that, that's the tough thing yes. about live. I, I, I have, a, I think, a pretty clear stance on, on the way that I personally feel about live. I think, like, the Jersey Jerry and stuff, doing that, of course, the ceiling is really high for something to randomly yeah. pop off like that. But I think the predictability or the projectability or, like, angle of, like, saying this is what you should do based on that is really tough to actually find. I think I look at content in like two different ways. There is value content and then there's the lifestyle content. Mm -hmm. Value content is like you're making content to be valuable to people, right? To teach, to entertain, whatever. Lifestyle content for me is vlogging, live streaming, Q&A type stuff that's mm -hmm. like, personal nobody gives a fuck about this unless they cared about this yeah the value uh, the, you have to suck them in through value content first before they start caring about who you are as a person so i put live streaming into there yeah. and i think when you start the way i would teach it if i was teaching anybody when you're starting keep this to a minimum because no one cares right maybe it's 99 percent of your content is value content one percent is lifestyle content and as you build up an audience and as people start to care more about you you can siphon more over this way right and i think Live streaming is a supplement to your brand. It is more width than it is depth. So if you're trying to grow, it's very difficult mm -hmm. through live stream, in my opinion, yeah. and those types of things. Of course, again, there's always the unicorns who are like, yeah. their personality is so infectious that they could, you know, grow through uh, through Q&As and vlogging and stuff like that. But that isn't me. That isn't how I would teach people. And I, I wouldn't be able to, like, recommend that to people. Live is tough. So live, tough. Because when you think about, let's say you tweet out, hey, uh, watch our new fantasy football rankings. If I'm like, oh, I, I want to watch the rankings, not only would I click on that and it's intentional, you also can save it for later and watch at a different point. I think of like, um, what's the Periscope? Is that what it is on Periscope Twitter? Is Twitter right? live, yeah. So when I'm scrolling, I see someone, you literally have like a half second to capture my attention and 99 out of 100 times, you're in the middle of talking. So it's not something that I'm necessarily going to stop for. It's something yeah. I missed, right? So live is very difficult. How do you create that demand? I mean, even that live, even the golf live was extremely boring. Yeah. Everyone I talked to was like, yeah, it was just background That's the thing. Mo most, most people, like 99% of live streams are not entertaining. Like right. people are not good at keeping someone's attention and like i've jumped like, into a million live streams before and i'm just like five seconds of pause or i'm like okay yeah. if i loved you i would stay in here which yeah. is what i'm saying like you need to build up the love and the and the loyalty from an audience for them to want to care about being in your life it's stream. like live golf no it's actually Fact. it's actually like the that NBA was coming from where me. the product is not that great and what's much better is the 10 minute highlight you know, mixtapes on YouTube. It's like these kids, why would they tune in for a few missed shots from Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson? Or they're the, going to... The product of an NBA game is not great. 90% of like the fans, I think, that are not like diehard of the specific team yeah. tune in because I'm like, oh shit, Giannis is on TV. Let yeah. me go watch him. And yeah. that's like me, you know, the building the personal brand, building like get, getting, but, falling but in love with his personality. And it's, but it's also, right. But it's also rare that you're like, oh, Giannis is, I see that they're promoting Giannis on TV. I'm going to go watch. You're going to tune in when you see a tweet that's like, Giannis has 30 in the second quarter. Can he go Well, I'm for saying 60? like, if I'm, if I'm flipping through my TV, yeah. right. And like, I'm, it's like NBA basketball is on TNT yeah. or whatever. And it names two teams that I'm like, okay, these teams are like cool, but whatever. Yeah. But then it names a team where like, there's one superstar. And I'm like, yes, I want to see yeah, that one fucking guy play. Like I'll, I'll yeah. tap into that. But even then, like 
you don't know what you're gonna get. And you don't, and I don't really. That's the same thing with the live stream. Though. Like I don't, I don't know if I care if this guy drops 40, 45, 50, or whatever. I just kind of enjoy watching him play, and I don't want to miss the moment of the greatness that might yes. come from him. And that's let me ask you this live. though, like no, <laughs> sorry. Is there because I think this kind of relates to content, not just sports, but like using a sports analogy, like. Baseball obviously is a much more intricate sport, yeah. But it has much fewer people who watch it. But like to me, I'd rather watch a random baseball game because of like the intricacies that I understand of every single pitch, and you know the situation. Whereas basketball is very back and forth. Like, is that similar to content? Where like if you are capturing a very small niche that people get, you're able to actually capture people's attention yes. versus just having like something that people use as background noise or something like that. It could be from like a, a scarcity. Mindset. I think that's maybe a, a smart way to look at it. In the same vein, though, I don't watch a lot of baseball and I don't care about the intricacies because of how many intricacies there are. Like right. 162 games. It's just too much. So it's like, yeah, you put out really interesting content, but you've also now put it out 162 times. So if I miss this one or that one, there's no feeling. You can't miss your favorite team's NFL game because yeah. there's only 17 of those games. It's 10%. So, yeah, I think it is something to think about. I always reference Brett because I, I love his stuff. Brett Coleman, it's like when he puts something out on his main channel once every week or two weeks or three weeks, you know so much time and energy went into it. It's almost like an NFL game. Like, you have to go watch that. And then you've got, like, Bootleg, which is his podcast, and they're talking more often, more frequent. And you don't get that same feeling. It doesn't mean that there's not appetite for it, but that's the the – supply and demand of of content so it is something to be super conscious of like well, even on our snap story right we're posting 35 times a day so it's less impactful every time we post but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue to post because that's what people are there for they want to see as much content as possible so i believe this is your question why doesn't youtube have collab or tag or repost seems like it'd be useful for smaller creators if a guest is on a podcast should be able to directly link to their channel or use a video they have some things like you can tag people now. It's just not super prevalent yeah. because literally just to what we were talking about 30 seconds ago, if you go click someone's description, what do you find? Their Instagram, their Twitter, their TikTok, their yeah. uh, newsletter, their merch to buy, the last ad deal they did, their other four channels. Like yeah. it's 400 links, right? So it's good from an SEO perspective. It's good if someone is looking for a specific thing. But think about when you do something on Instagram, right? If I post a piece of content and collab with Nick on Instagram, in the cat, there's only one thing to see. We're not, you can't click shop. You can't click anything besides his profile, right. essentially. So I think that's why it's so much more prevalent on other platforms. And you need to do like a real, it's more like word of mouth. It's more general awareness where it's like, oh, this person's in the video, you say who they am, I got to go search them versus, okay, I'm actually going to go click on them. But you can suggest videos. It's like I'm watching a 10-minute video and three minutes through, what are the odds I'm going to leave this video and just go to his channel? You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it would be a cool feature. I don't collab with many YouTubers, I feel like, anyway, so it wouldn't be like a huge thing for us right now. But yeah. it could it could be a good feature for YouTube to think about for the fact that more people would be open to collabing yeah. and doing that kind of stuff. So I think 
that would that would be relatively neat. I don't I, like. There's no downside to Instagram adding the collab tool. I think it was like a flawless integration that was really really good. What about YouTube collab that posts on both channels? Because that has been the most difficult thing for me. Which is we we've done a couple gaming collabs, mm -hmm. and the idea is they're going to create their own video. We're going to create our own video. Or like we had one of our clients at the agency, Jenna, did live Olympics against Mookie Betts, and like they both had separate edits. But it was like very well, similar mean, thumbnails. That's, and that's no different than people could also do that on Instagram. You're like, okay, I'm like, this is a piece of content that I'm going to post. You want to collab on it. The person could just be like, I'm going to do a separate edit for my thing. But too. I feel like now with the collab tool, they don't. And it makes a lot more sense. Right. I'm saying like, I don't, I don't think it's any different. No, I'm saying that should, that should mm -hmm. exist where you can agree on a, on a thumbnail, a yeah. title, a piece of content, maybe even in the back end, it's a rev share. It's an ad block. Like, obviously there'll be different complications there, but yeah, I think you should be able to where, and the view count should total, like yeah. it should be one video. It can just live on different places. Yeah. I mean, ideally like a, a flawless product would be that living on different places. You would have two subscribe buttons, like his, his channel, here's yeah. my channel, whatever. Yeah. Like that would be a great product. Yeah. So hopefully YouTube grows up. Yeah, let me talk to YouTube. The last thing is uh, what you've mocked me for, but uh, Snap Exports investor update. So I put out our investor update to our team over uh, the last few days. We don't have any investors. Casey was was that's, sure. That's that. why I mocked you. Yes. Um, investors but that's not true we do have investors because what is an investor it's someone who has invested in the company that doesn't necessarily mean financially sure am i wrong i mean if we're getting philosophical no but from a business you go you go to a boardroom and try to pitch that shit so yeah the point the point was it was the initial email was sent to everyone who has a stake in the company whether it's mentally has a stake, so like literally my parents, okay. all the way down to every single employee at the company who I think it's important for them to understand where we're at as a company, where we hit, where we didn't. And we share most of that stuff at the offsite anyways to people who have equity in the company like Marlon or you know other people. So you're almost included. You're right on the edge of like, I was like, all right, once we move into the office, like you would probably be involved in that next year's update because... Like, you should know where we're at. I think it's important. I think it's a good idea. I think you should have a different name for it, though. How would you? Yeah, how would you? I do don't it? know. I think we could figure out something, though. Part of it is a little clickbaity, right? Where it's like, all right, let's say you gave me 10 bucks and you own 0.01% of the company because we're like four to $6 billion company right now. Then it would be an investor update. Yeah. So it whatever i'm saying the way you're doing it right now you're 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 saying i like it i think it yeah. should be named something different, people though. people may think that whatever the the point is it's the same reason why i framed deleting our youtube channel it like, could be like invested update rather than investor you know sure. something a yeah a, a little tweak there fucking do it anyways yeah. make, the, um, make the change i decided to to put it out publicly uh so we're gonna put it out through a newsletter that i that i have a email list for um, it's going to be the first post on that newsletter. I've had this list curated for a while from just different things uh, that I've always wanted to write about, but I never knew like what the first post should be. And I felt this was an appropriate way and a way for me to actually start putting out uh, some of my thoughts and just ideas. So going to release that on my newsletter. Beehive is the platform I'm using. And the intention really is it comes off a lot of like my experience and then this one Mr. Beast clip where he was like, 
The best thing that ever happened in my career was I found a bunch of obsessive YouTubers. We talked eight hours a day. And if I went out at solo, it would have taken me a year. And then I was doing things in a month. And so as we're building our companies, like I see a lot of that. I'm curious where House of Highlights grew and like if they give me full access to how they grew any negotiations they had with Turner, how the decision to let Omar walk to ESPN, like even stuff like that, it would just move me along. And I think the big business world likes to hide that stuff. We talk about that all the time. Not us. Not <laughs> us. Uh, we like to be transparent. And so if it helps someone, whether it's get a job somewhere, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, I think it's going to be helpful to people. If it helps one person, then I kind of accomplish what I'm looking to do. I dig it. All right. So I'll sign up because I'm not on the list. Apparently. I'm getting you to sign up. Yeah. That's this was time. one long, long tail game yeah, one, to, to grow. The yeah, it was a list. long game. I respect it. So, yeah, excited. Excited to see the feedback on that. And um, that's it. I'm excited to sit down with you guys, talk goals, talk action plans for big content for 2024. Um, I feel like we should set. A goal, an official goal. Do you have a goal for big content? No, not right now. I don't know if I have a goal necessarily, like, because I don't want to make a, a metric-based goal again. Yeah. I don't want to do, like, a subscriber goal. I want us to be more focused, though, I think, in 2024. Mm -hmm. I don't mean, like, physically showing up and being focused. I mean, dial in on who we're speaking to before we start bringing guests on. That would be my goal, I think. I know that's very, like, Isn't that level. more an action item? Can't they both be the same? Is your goal just to be more focused? Because you're kind of saying, like, let's dial into whatever, and then we add guests, right? That's not what you're trying to accomplish. My goal you're is to, def I guess it's define. an action item, but I think yeah. they can kind of be the same thing, yeah. maybe. It's just to define exactly who we're speaking to. Because yeah. I think that's, like, the theme of 2024 is, like, separating channels, separating content, separating topics, niches, yeah. defining audiences. Like, really attacking that on social will be, like, something that, resonates with everybody and res and is like the deciding factor about whether or not people grow i think yeah and i think that's what we need to really get in touch with i like that it's going to be interesting because i always play the complete other side of that so like trying to be part of that but also trying to be who i am and who i believe mm -hmm. in which is what you're talking about with jersey jerry earlier like that's not who i am i can't bucket myself into one thing like even when i was writing the bio of the newsletter i was like sports betting investing you know, family, like whatever, vacation, travel, whatever it is, it's tough to bucket it. But I, we know and we talk about so often, like the best way to grow yeah. is by doing these. That's things. what like we're going to be doing going into the new year. It's like we're going to have the fantasy channel, dynasty channel, the trivia channel, a betting channel. Like we're separating yeah. everything and pushing forward. Yeah. Even if it means a lot of these things are starting back from zero again. Yeah. It's like we're taking a couple steps back to jump forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the way we're looking at pretty much everything. And I don't think you can move forward unless you define exactly where you're going. Yeah. That's it. All right. First step of 24, technically first recorded app in 24. Yeah. First recorded app. Okay. Yeah. All right. First time All we've right. sat down since it feels like 22. Yeah. You know, yeah. 22 days on the road. Uh, if I had to leave anyone with one action item, I would go to BDG's TikTok and I would go to the Bolitnikoff yeah. Award. What happened? I, didn't, yeah. I actually haven't oh, seen it. What happened? Um, we we did a couple trivias and the, the category was like the last 20, about five years of Bolitnikoff yeah. Award winners. And it was Will versus Tony and they were just... Like it, not close. It, the the videos. I thought this up, was an NFL channel. That's my bad. The uh, the, yeah, all those players went to the NFL. It, the videos at like one point two million, 
And I don't know if there's a single positive comment on really? that. Just one, J-Mo said, thank God Will was on this because otherwise I would have lost all yeah. credibility. I'm not sure that counts as positive. For me, it was positive. Okay. <laughs> it's the one positive experience all right. of all. So yeah. I'm at, I, I, like I escaped being the scapegoat of BDG trivia. Yeah. Or just I mean, until today. All right, let's yeah. close this out. All right, yeah. So Hit um, the subscribe button. So set some goals. Go watch a Blitnikoff Award uh, <laughs> TikTok for Will. Let us know how well he did, how well you would have done. And we'll see you next week should anybody subscribe or no okay that's not our goal he doesn't want metric based stuff don't even watch this (laughs) don't send it to your friends just watch the blinnikov award